This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash be here now today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash be here now. everyone, this is Chris Grasso with the Indie Spirituals Podcast on the Be Here Now Network, and my guest today is East Forrest. Um, Mr. Forrest, thank you for being with us, and I should have asked you before we started. I know your name's Trevor, but East Forrest, I also know that Ram Das gave you the name Krishna, which maybe we can talk about that. What do you be, uh, prefer to be called? Uh, how, well, yeah, East Forrest is cool for today, or some people call me East, whatever, whatever okay. feels good to you. I like East, repping the East side. Here. So um, <laughs> I'll call you East. That works. Um, so thank you for taking the time to be with me. Um, I'm going to read your bio real quick, and then we're going to hop into this conversation. Um, so East Forest has been the leader of underground sound healing ceremonies around the world since 2008. Using music as a tool, he has trailblazed the field of organic tech, building bridges between the digital and natural world. Being fully independent and playing in the private shadows allowed the sound of East Forest to emerge, an emotional and spacious musical lexicon with a sound that look that took shape out of a practical need to play solo for five to six hours while guiding a room full of listeners in deep meditation. Live looping and layered keyboard melodies filled the musical space while angelic vocals and original field recordings floated above. Word organically spread and a devoted community shared East Forest's early albums, many of which were live recordings captured directly from his sound healing performances. Moving into festivals, theaters, and clubs, electronic beats and diverse live instrumentation eventually joined in from strings and analog synthesizers to African Chora. East Forest's electroacoustic ethereal sound continued to evolve, and he found himself performing in a diverse range of settings from South by Southwest. Google Mysteryland to Grace Cathedral, Summit at Sea, as well as his own TED Talk. East Forest released a collaborative album with legendary spiritual teacher Ram Das, which this podcast is hosted on his network, on August 9th. The full album, East Forest X Ram Das, features East Forest's music accompanied by new teachings from Ram Das. So, all of that said, again, East, thank you for being with me today. Yeah. That's a lot of words. I know. Dude, <laughs> wow. I know, right? We should get that shortened. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like I do a lot of interviews and I do a lot of <clears throat> speaking engagements and people, I feel the same way after the bio. I'm like, I'm just mm -hmm. some like punk hip hop kid who, you know, likes <laughs> weird music and shit. But uh, exactly. so, um, so anyways, that said, the way I typically like to start my podcast, um, just for the benefit of any listeners that aren't familiar with you and your work, if you could give us some background, like uh, you can start wherever you want, childhood, teenage, whatever, but kind of if you don't mind sharing a little bit about yourself and what led you to this path and where you are today. Sure. Well, thanks again for asking me on. I appreciate um, your time. I, honestly, I think my upbringing was very typical and very what I think of as American. Hmm. And there's a certain kind of pain and trauma, this latent trauma of growing up in the suburbs. And I grew up in the Pacific Northwest <clears throat> outside Portland and Salem, Oregon. Hmm. And, you know, on the face of it, um, a very loving and very safe childhood. But in some ways, in that safety, 
uh, at least for me, there was something about my own spirit as a child that felt the oppression of just culture and expectations and the normality of having to fit into the system that I didn't want to fit into. It was in my late twenties. I was living in New York city. I think I was going for this, uh, sort of like dream of the fame, money, all that stuff. So I was like, I want to go to the big city and make it happen. And over time, like as the universe was sort of orchestrating life, things were breaking apart. Things were not working. And I started to explore uh, things like shamanic initiations and plant medicines and through that more meditation. Uh, And basically it just really started to explode my inner life and to see that there was more. And I I really started to fall out of love with the things that weren't really working anyway, Mm. the things I was chasing. And I started to just have more of an, of, prioritizing my inner life. And one of those things was to just start making music for myself. I'd been making music before that, but it was much more of sort of a commercialized approach, I think. Sure. Certainly those were my goals. And so once I started making music for myself and making music that I could use as a tool to really explore that inner space, uh, things really started to shift. And, you know, there's an irony that like as, as soon as I stopped trying to like make it or stop trying to make music that would be popular, the music became popular. Right. <laughs> and, and then, you know, after years passed, it became my job and became a career, um, which is, is, is beautiful. There's something in there, uh, sort of in the Joseph Campbell idea of following your bliss. Right. Uh, and that's, that's still kind of the rudder that I steer my ship with. I'm always trying to step back and say, okay, wait a minute, don't get lost in, in this thing or that thing this trapping, you know, why are you doing this? What really excites you? Um, you know, what, what of this is, you know, getting back to the original feeling and that motivation. I love that. You know, I resonate deeply because I grew up in the suburbs as well, but on the East coast and it was, um, you know, people think like you have this easy life, but actually it's not that way for some people. You know, I was, yeah, I was punk rock. I was hip hop, skateboarding. Um, in a rural town that was very athletic based and nothing wrong with athletics, but I'm a musician as well, playing in like punk and hardcore bands and indie rock bands. And, um, you know, I, I stood out like a sore thumb and really like got bullied and uh, teachers treated me terribly. And, um, but music was a saving grace for me. And, um, being a musician, I wish I, you know, I could just turn my camera. I have, you, I think you'd appreciate, I have like an old school weighted studio 88 MIDI and, um, all kinds of just rare vintage equipment. I adore music. So mm. one musician to another, we share a lot in common for sure. Um, and I agree, uh, anytime, like I have found whether it's writing a song or I have three books published. Um, so writing a book, if I'm forcing myself to do this in a way that, you know, it's not coming from an intuitive sense or not intuitive, but I just feel moved to do it. Um, it ends up, honestly, in my case, it's ended up in broken guitars and a cracked computer screen. And, uh, you know, the, back when Chris used to be angry. Now, Chris, thank you to meditation. <laughs> rarely gets, you know, broken screens or whatever. But um, so I really appreciate you sharing that. And and so, you know, music is, is it's base, it's your life now, right? It's what you do. It's it's my job, too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, it's what I do full time and have been for probably about the last five years or so. Yeah. And I, it's, it's a huge blessing to be able to do that. And a huge blessing that, you know, you can forge uh, a kind of living with that. Um, so, uh, you know, my goal really is by, I'm sort of trying to gather more resources. Like I look at it, like the more popular music can become, the, the more resources I then have to essentially like hire my friends to do cool things and yeah. do bigger, cooler tours and do bigger projects. Like, you know, the Ramdas record that was totally independent where I served as, you know, it's my label that put it out. Yeah. So I'm funding uh, studio time and musicians and stuff. And, but even with that, you know, we're, we're pretty lean on how we do things and I'm mixing it myself and I'm uh, doing a lot of the things myself. Right. And we were able to put that out for, you know, probably, 
I haven't actually, I kind of purposely don't crunch all the numbers. I understand. Because <laughs> I don't, don't want to know. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I'd say it was $15,000 or less, you know, for wow. everything, mastering. And I don't, maybe that you put in vinyl production. I'm, well, I probably won't count that. That's pretty expensive. Yeah, but. that is. But I mean, for, for a record these days, that's almost unheard of. And it, you couldn't tell. Sound-wise, it, it sounds like you did it in a professional studio, man. Well, we did. And I got lucky, you know, and we... And I have all these amazing musicians and, you know, yeah. a lot of them are friends. So they, I think working with Ramdas helped to get them on board. And, um, I have access to a studio here where I am in Boulder, Utah, that, uh, Ron Johnson, who owns the studio essentially gifted me the time. And so I'm working on beautiful API console and barefoot monitors. And so it definitely oh, took oh, things up a notch. Cool. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that Ramdas record in a, in a minute, but I wanted to ask you, <clears throat> What were some of your, this is a kind of a two-part question, uh, what were some of your early musical influences, which is part one? We can start there. Go ahead and answer um, and anything that really moved you. Well, the early ones are so embarrassing, I won't even talk about them. <laughs> because again, when you're in the suburbs, I wasn't as cool as you. I didn't, I didn't really, I wasn't introduced to that cool music. You know, it's mostly the radio. Sir, I and, listened to New Kids on the Block before, so I'm oh, I'm throwing I myself under the to bus. Them, you know, <laughs> Vanilla Ice. That was, I probably listened to that a hundred times, thousand times, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, um, what was the parents just don't understand? I thought that was like a brilliant Fresh song when I was little. Yeah. Um, I mean, so, I I saw okay. it, went, it was pretty bad, but as I as I went into like college things started to expand. I went to um, cross the country from Oregon to New York and I started to just expand my horizons and meet different kinds of people, more multicultural. You know, I got a lot more into jazz. Yeah. And I got more into the piano because I wasn't really much of a piano player before that. But then all of a sudden at college, like they had beautiful instruments and it was the first time I was shown by a friend how to like write music, meaning just like a chord approach. It's a yeah. really simplistic way to write songs. Yeah. And I was kind of a little singer kid. So I was like, now I could suddenly sing all those pop songs, like yeah. Billy Joel songs or Beatles songs or yeah. whatever. So it just, now it was fun. And so then I started really getting into like trying to deconstruct what was happening in a lot of these songs. So then I got really into, um, I think the three big, piano guys that are still big guys for me is Keith Jarrett, who's a jazz guy and a classical guy. who's just like a monster of inspiration for me. Yeah. Um, Bill Evans, who's a really famous jazz pianist yeah. and Bruce Hornsby, who's a more yeah, of a pop are. piano player, but the way he plays, I think is so awesome. And oh, yeah. all those guys, when I hear it, I, I'm like, Oh, that's, that's a Bruce. That's Bruce Hornsby playing on this other person's song. I can tell he's got a style. Yeah. And I dig it. I dig his stuff. So those guys really influenced me. But I, I have a really wide ranging interest in music. I'd say it, it was everything for, except for metal and country. So I got I had a big hip hop phase and I yeah. still love hip hop, but yeah. not so much contemporary hip hop. But same, you know, I was I was there for the classic rise of hip hop, you know, yeah. early, early roots period. Yeah. You know, Mostaf and Talib and all those guys. And, yeah. and I saw a lot of them play way back. And oh, yeah. So I was really into beats and I was really into grooves. I was into jazz. I was into popular music. Um, and, you know, and then I, I was into electronic music. I was just then getting into like Aphex Twin and yeah. All Tecker and all these guys, Boards of Canada. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So all that mashup, actually, you kind of do hear it in my music because it goes into like, there's stuff on the Ram Dust record that actually goes across that breadth from, there's a track that's sort of like hip hop or gorillas. Oh, yeah. There's stuff that's like contemporary classical to ambient to electronic. I love that. Uh, same. I was born in 78. So, you know, I grew up in what I consider the golden era of hip hop. Like I have a lot of respect for yeah. the origins. But, you know, you're mentioning jazz and I'm thinking like Tribe and Diggable Planets. Yeah. And oh, for sure. Bruce Hornsby when Tupac took that piano and did his thing. But, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, like I still rock like all the time. De La Soul and Far Side and Souls of Mischief and, you know, like that that stuff. Uh, Gangstar and the Guru's Jazzmatazz stuff like um, yeah, but I'm, I agree with you. I do a lot of work with youth and mental health and uh, healing residential facilities. And a lot of my work is music based. And when we talk about work and, you know, pretty much I've learned that if a hip hop artist's name starts with young or Lil, 
it's garbage. Like, I don't mean to be opinionated, but like, you know, music used to like, especially hip hop used to have a message. And yeah, sure. I listened to like NWA and Mob Deep and, and more of the heavier stuff. But like there was real passion and real music and even NWA and, and Mob Deep really were reflecting, you know, they're they're in their own way. They're surrounding some of the songs. You know, I definitely don't listen to because I don't resonate um, where it's just objectifying women. But um, so, you know, comparatively that, in, you know, to what is out today, though, in all fairness, there is still great hip hop. It's just way underground, like the Def Juck stuff and the Doom Tree Rhyme Sayers, all that stuff, atmosphere. Yeah, I mean, it's hip hop is one of the. I think it is still R&B and hip hop. It's definitely the biggest money making field right now in music. It's the sure. most streamed music. And there's some of the most hands down forward thinking producers uh, in that field. Oh yeah. I think I think for me I just kind of lost track of like how to navigate it because a lot of it became either so weird. And I don't even mean like I like weird music, but yeah. like in like the trappy stuff started to get in this weird place. It was like, is that even, it's hardly melodic. And yeah. it's like, I have nothing from my ear to grab onto. And lyrically too, I sure. wasn't sure what, you know, but I, I hear stuff though. Sometimes I'm just like, wow, that, that they're really pushing the limits and the edges of the genre for sure. Yeah. Well, so that kind of segues into the second part of that question was, which is, and, and this can be from any time in your life, was there ever a time, and it can be more than one, where you remember hearing whether it was a particular album or song or just artist for the first time that like stopped you dead in your tracks, like cut you to the core, like the earth just stood still for a minute and you were like, what is, whoa. Yeah, there's been a few of those over the years. Um, one that comes to mind because it was a live experience was Sigur Rós. Oh, one of my all-time favorites. Yeah, I, them and Mum. Um, I don't know if you know Mum, but they're yeah. from Iceland as well. I do. I love them. Yeah. Yes, the first time I saw Cigaros was the first time I'd ever heard them. Period. And I saw them at the Beacon Theater in New York in yeah. 2007, I think it was. Okay. And my friend had encouraged me to go and bought the tickets, and I went and handed me like a mushroom chocolate. <laughs> and I, it's a seated show, and I remember not knowing anything. And the show started, and my heart was starting to crack open, and yeah. my mind was relaxing, and it changed my life because it was so emotional and so theatrical and beautiful. Yeah. Uh, I just was like, I remember walking out of the theater, the Beacon Theater is up on, I think, 77th and Broadway on the west side, and I walked down at night to Columbus Circle. I just wanted to, I couldn't go home. I was like, I need to just, I need to think. I need to just be alone. And I sat down at Columbus Circle at night and was just so inspired. I was like, I need, I really want to make music like that, that on the ins that inspires other people like that, yeah. that engenders a feeling in me like that. It was sort of this numinous, liminal, uh, inspiring infinite space and they really like lit a fire under me that and the way it was done live uh, I didn't know how I could connect those dots but that was before I was really making East Forest music I was just starting yeah and so that that show really showed me like oh I can I can aim for a particular emotional quality yeah and I think that really helped inspire my first record that's amazing I would say yeah I probably have like I have multiple as well there's four or five big ones but um, their first record, I'll butcher the title. I don't even know how to say it, the Agatis Berjan or whatever. Yeah. Um, the first time I heard that in the early two thousands with an ex girlfriend, she actually introduced me to it, and uh, I just, it was like I became like enmeshed, and I couldn't get enough. And then I got talk, and uh, you know everything, all the rare imports, and um, the Untitled record is just it's one of their kind of darker, but absolutely mm -hmm. it's hauntingly beautiful. Jonesy is. An absolute brilliant genius. I wasn't huge on the Royce Boy Sleep stuff he did with Alex, but it's it's all subjective, you know. But, I'm gonna go see that show next weekend. Oh, I didn't uh, know that they in were Denver. Is Jonesy and Alex? They're doing a 10 year anniversary tour with I an orchestra. Oh, yeah. See, I, I would go see it live for sure. I would go see Jonesy any time. I just yeah, I trust and like this will be um, a great show. Yeah. So I'm I'm definitely looking forward to that. 
Awesome. Well, I'm I'm very excited and jealous. Um, so <laughs> let's talk about uh, the Ram Das record. I wanted to read. Um, there was a little write up about it um, that I wanted to share with our listeners, and then we're gonna sure. we're gonna go into that. So in June of 2018, East Forest was invited to Ram Das's home in Maui to join in conversation and record brand new teachings from the legendary teacher. After capturing these words of wisdom, East Forest returned to his studio in the high desert of southern Utah to compose the soundtrack to beautifully support each song subject. In these new recordings, Ram Dass's words speak masterfully to the modern challenges that so many face with technology, dark thoughts, the nature of soul, and so much more. The new East Forest record also features guest appearances from the likes of Trevor Hall, Hammock, Grammy-nominated artist Krishna Das, who is a friend and also on the podcast. And it wasn't noted here, but I was so jazzed to see uh, Stick from Dead Prez is on there. Yeah, right up your alley. Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> when I heard that, I'm like, what? We're going to have to talk about that. Uh, but all framing Ram Das's teachings with contemporary voices and cementing the 87-year-old spiritual teacher into an echelon of relevancy and immediacy offering a direct antidote for a highly polarized nation that is deeply in need of a universal voice of wisdom connection and unconditional love and then there's a quote followed by ramdas music is a language that all souls understand i'm honored that my teachings have been paired with a musician like east forest who has crafted an album with so much love so I figure let's talk about, I mean, there's, we can go anywhere with that record you want, but first of all, when did you start uh, reading Ram Dass or how were you introduced to him? And, you know, if you want to kind of go from there into what inspired you to, to do this mash record, mashup record with, with Ram Dass. I mean, I think Be Here Now is probably my introduction. And then I'm I'm a sound audio guy. And so hearing his talks definitely took it to another level right. of my connection with him. Yeah. And it was his ability. He had that intellectual angle of the Harvard professor, right. which I resonated with. And then the psychedelic angle, which I resonated with. And then this sort of um, secular spiritualism. So that yeah. he was just kind of a perfect trifecta for me beyond being highly charismatic and yes. entertaining. So he's just one of those guys who's a teacher for me in the background. And, and then I started to have a deeper relationship with um, Maharaji, which is a story in itself after I went through a divorce about two and a half years ago. And that started to really make some weird changes in my life, which was odd. And then I remember fast forward to um, when I was sitting with Ram Dass and I hit record and I started to put all the dots together of like, oh my God, like. This is all like a Maharaji thing. Yeah. And that really blew my heart open because I always thought I was just this guy who read about these things. I didn't realize we're all under the blanket. Right. So, um, and Ram Dass was just, it's just one of those things, man. I mean, I could look back and say I had this idea or it was the right timing, which are all true, but it was guided by something larger because I can't say why I was the one that was granted the ability to oversee this project. So there were other people interested in doing similar things. I don't think on such a grand scale. Right. And so the fact that I wanted to bring in lots of artists and we're continuing to do that now with uh, reworks and remixes. Yeah. So we're actually now bringing even more artists in. That's super cool. Um, but it's just all an effort to connect Ram Dass's stuff to new ears, uh, new generation. So I did want to just quickly interject before we go deeper into the record, because you mentioned Maharaji. A lot of listeners on this podcast, of course, know who he is. Um, but a lot of people that listen to my show may not necessarily. Um, you know, I have a picture, several around, and there's a picture of him. He always watches me while I do my podcast. And you know, I remember being reading Be Here Now, and um, we share very similar in, in the approach Ron Das takes and how it resonates to us. And so when you say like it was under the guise of his blanket, like, you know, I just want to say to listeners who might, you know, be a little skeptical about that. Um, there's a story very quickly that uh, I'll share where the first time I had interviewed Ram Dass, this is several years ago, was uh, not for this podcast, for something else. And it was just after I had signed the book deal for my first book. And 
I had not told anyone over there about it. He like literally I didn't talk to Raghu who helped set up the nobody knew. And at the end of the interview, he and I were just chatting and he says to me, um, you have a new book coming out uh, or, or you finished a new book. And I'm like, yeah, there's literally no way he could have known this. Like I, no one knew. And he said, um, if you'd like, I would like to write a blurb for it. And, and I like a tear like came down my eye. Cause I'm like, <laughs> you know, you've, I'm feeling like Maharaji in my heart. And, uh, I, I was like, that would be incredible. And then he says, and that comes from right there, like pointing up to you know, Maharaji. And <laughs> wow, I actually, cool. yeah, I have it on video and I, I put it up on YouTube. Um, because I too, I, I'm of a skeptical nature and, and question everything. But, um, you know, when things like that happen, like when Ram Dass talks and be here now about under the stars and Maharaji talking about his mother's spleen. And he's like, how could he know that? That was like, just one of you know uh, my many Maharaji stories, and then for Ram Dass to ask me to endorse his most recent book was like absolutely surreal to me. Like what me, you know? So <laughs> uh, anyway, so for listeners, anyone who is skeptical, I'm you know anyone that knows me knows I am not a bullshitter at all. So that is some very real potent stuff right there. So you do the album; it's absolutely amazing. Um, what was the experience? personally like working with Ram Das did you was there any exceptionally profound experiences you had there sure i mean yeah kind yeah, of dumb I mean, question but like in general <laughs> just having it happen was profound yeah. because i didn't know if i would get anything from him he could have a bad day where he can't really speak right, or yes. didn't want to or who knows what so just just flying over and not knowing what would happen I told Raghu, I was like, look, I'm making a record about this man's legacy and work. I think at a minimum I need to meet him and look him in the eye and just say, hey, this is happening, uh, soul to soul. And that was my only goal. Yeah. And I thought, you know, I might get a few things from him and the rest I would pull from talks in his archive. But I didn't know, I, was, I, I wasn't sure that I would get what I got, which is an entire record's worth. It was actually exactly enough for a record. It's like 14 different mini subjects, which of yeah. course made 14 tracks. And I cut very little out of it. Yeah. I didn't expect him to give me such concise, poetic, perfect, really perfect oh, yeah. little micro teachings start to finish with humor and tags and opening lines and imagery. I was, I was truly blown away. Yeah. And then the way it's laborious to do it because there's these long, long pauses between his words. So it, it took we the actual tape recording, let's say three, four hours, and it truncated down to 15 minutes of right. talking. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a really long, drawn out process. But I was so pleased that once I took out some of those pauses or got like the, the just the phrases each one, and once yeah. I started putting them into music they worked so well in music and your ear didn't care anymore or even hear the pauses because now it's inside this rhythm of music. Mm -hmm. And that was something I wasn't, I think I knew intuitively might work, but I wasn't sure. And right. so there was a real risk involved. It was like, I don't know. I don't yeah. know what I'm going to get. I don't know how this is going to work with my music, yeah. but let's give it a shot. And so I was pleasantly surprised at how well it started to mesh together and how open Raghu and the team was to me really just doing my thing and, you know, artistically and creatively pushing the limit a bit. Yeah. It, well, it came out incredibly. Um, it doesn't feel forced at all. Um, and it's so interesting to hear that, you know, you had all of that silence, which I know all about because I've interviewed Ram Dass many times. And um, I actually appreciate that in an art interviews and our interactions because there's so much like in that space obviously that doesn't work for an album like yours but um it's incredible to know that because it it did it worked out perfectly it sounds incredible yeah and it makes him he also is very concise and yes. deliberate so i mean yes. that's also what it brings to it is that he's probably now when i ask him a question going to say you know, 30 words instead of 500, like in the old days. Right. Yes. Like it probably would have been this long conversation if this was 30, 40 years ago. Right. Um, and I would have picked out little phrases and now it was like, he just would sit, you know, he'd think or he'd think for minutes before speaking. Right. And then he would just say pretty much exactly what you hear yeah. on the record. 
Absolutely beautiful. And so let's talk about some of the guests that I mentioned. You know, Trevor Hall, um, most people listening, I'm sure, know him. And sure. Krishna Das, I'm a huge fan of his as well. Um, I definitely want to ask you how you got Stick involved from Dead Prez. Um, yeah, yeah. How, how did that all come together? Well, Stick, Stick's not one I talk about much because I don't get asked as much about it. So I'd love yeah. to just tell you about him. I, I mean, would. Please do. Uh, so I would write tracks and we I'd start to play around with uh, putting Ramdas into particular tracks and I just try to serve the song. So I'd think like, what is this, what, you know, what does this need? Whether it's like, I really feel like this needs a cello or this needs a string section or this, this would be cool if it had African Cora or this, mm. this needs a female singer. Like I was looking for opportunities for featured artists, but some songs didn't want anything. So you're like, I, I can't force anything on this right. one because it, it's not going to help. Right. And so that track that became Electronic C, I always was sort of vibing a rapper, an MC, and I was a little nervous about it. So I, I kept sitting with it. It's like, is that really what I think would work best as opposed to a singer? And I kept thinking, I think so. I think it would I think it would work. So I just started putting out feelers and not having a lot of luck, you know, with the traditional hip hop world really because resp- they're all about it's a lot about money yeah and yeah. and 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 this in that world that you know features and stuff is a big thing so it's not like oh wow i'm getting asked to feature it's like this stuff happens all the time and it's yeah. very like business and political and yeah. so i was just i wasn't having much luck and time was running out and then for some reason i just remembered a friend of mine this director named Ayers, aaron copeland who I'd worked with on another project where I played music and he was a director and he's deep, uh, seeped into the hip hop world. He's in LA. And I just sent him a text and I was like, Hey man, um, you know, I got this track. I don't know if there's anyone you could introduce me to. And he knew stick. He's like, you know, I think stick would be interested. Let me link you up. Text with stick. I'm like, here's the thing. Here's the track. Stick's like, yeah. And I'm like, look, man, um, I don't mean to be pushy, but if we're going to do this, it's gotta be like next week. You know, and he's wow. in Atlanta. Yeah. And I was in, I don't know where I was at the time, Boise, I think. So I, we just like talked on the phone. I had to take a leap of faith. I'm like, I'm going to go for it. I was like, stick, let's, I'm going to book a studio in Atlanta on Thursday. I'm going to fly in. Does that sound cool? We'll meet up. It'll be, don't worry. You know, we'll, we'll bang this out and I'll come back. And we continue to talk on the phone. We talked, he wanted to process a lot about what the song was about and what Ramdas was saying. And like, we did a lot of kind of pre-production just discussion about the subject and, and it's a tricky song because Ramdas, yeah. it was one, I think we might've got interrupted in between by Dasima or something. Oh, so like, sure, yeah. I almost felt like it wasn't the, the tightest of all of them as like an idea. Yeah. There was still a lot of meat there, but it was a little bit like room for interpretation and it yeah. kind of switches gears halfway. Right. It's tricky. And so Stick was really picking up on that. And we talked, so we talked a lot and he was writing lyrics and we were playing around with stuff on the phone. So I flew in, I landed at like five. I think the session was at seven. I went straight to the studio. He shows up, we meet for the first time. We start just recording and he writes all new lyrics on the spot and a lot of back and forth about, you know, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? So it's very uh, collaborative in that sense. We had a really good time. I probably got back to this Airbnb I rented at like three in the morning, flight left at like eight, and then I was back in Boise and it totally worked. And I was just like, and I remember we even like, we actually like settled on those three verses. It was like, I didn't have anything extra. Right. That's what he wanted to use. And I put it in and th- there you go. And it was just one of those things that just like fell together kind of at the last minute. And I was really grateful because... I think that track pushes people's limits who are traditional Ramdas fans. Yeah. But that was sort of the point of this record was to push the limits and try new yeah. things and and put Ramdas in new context. And I thought Stick did a good job of respecting uh what Ramdas was saying. And that was another thing like that's the only track really. The other ones there might be a singer. Krishna Das sings mantra. Right. Trevor Hall sings mantra. A Laura Bird of the Minor Birds sing lyrics, but I wrote the lyrics and they're pretty simple. So I was, you're like, you don't want to add words to Ramdas. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It was, it was like, is this a terrible idea? Like, are we going <laughs> to sink this ship? You know, and, and I thought that was bold of Stick to say, like, 
yeah, this is an experiment and I'm going to be adding more words than Ramdas is saying on this track, but we know Ramdas is like the lead vocal, so to speak. So how do mm-hmm. I speak to that? And I really just love that we took that risk and, and tried it and went for it. It, it, it killed man. Uh, sticks verses are really intelligent as always, you know, they fit with that song. I, in my opinion, as a true like hip hop head, like flawlessly was stick, uh, in, was he familiar with Ram Dass's work at all prior or did you? Yeah, he wasn't a deep fan, but yeah, yeah, he was familiar. Um, but kind of like a lot of people, just a little bit, right? you know, like I've seen this or I've heard that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I sent him everyone who worked on the record from the graphic designers to stick. I sent him a copy of be here now. Yeah. You know, it's the first thing I do is I go to Amazon, ship them a copy of be here now. It's like, if you haven't looked at this, you should look at it immediately (laughs) And, and then we'll talk. You know, and let's sit with that book for a bit. And so, yeah, it's been a process of people getting to know Ram Dass through doing it. And, yeah, you know, but except, I guess, for except for someone like Krishna Das. Right, right. Well, <laughs> he's I, the deepest of all of us. Yeah. 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 No, I'm glad that you did that. Um, I often joke that I feel like I should have stock in Be Here Now because that's one of those books. Totally. I have just loaned it to people so many times. I've bought at least, I mean, <laughs> easily two dozen copies at bare minimum over my life um me too but I'm, yeah i'm happy to it's like the more that book gets out there to this day it is as relevant as ever all of his books i'm a fan of but you know that one just um it's timely and timeless which is absolutely beautiful and and i want to thank you for taking that risk with that song because you know just like when ragu invited me to do this podcast on his network that was like three or four years ago i don't remember exactly um but I was like, really, man, are you sure? Because my first book was out, and like I said, Ram Dass had endorsed it, but uh, you know, there's Sharon, and there's KD, and there's uh, Jack, and I think Joseph Goldstein, Lama Suryadas. That was the original lineup, and me. Right. And, and of course, Ragu with Mind Rolling, back when it was with David Silver, and I was just like, I mean, of course I'll do it. Like, I've been writing for magazines and doing interviews and and stuff since literally high school. Um, But I'm so glad that they allow me to host a show on their network where I'm able to have, yeah, I have sometimes more traditional spiritual guests, but I get to have like outside of the box spiritual guests and things that just like with your song kind of gently, you know, help nudge people in a, not a different direction, but maybe to open up a little bit more to other ideas. And, um, I, I really, uh, I do thank you for that, man, for taking that chance, putting it on there. And it's, uh, it's a great song, great album. Yeah. But yeah. And I, I wanted to make something timeless too. Yeah. That could speak to people for a long time to come and not just be trendy. And I think the idea with having, those different types of tracks, like the one we're talking about, Electronic C, to yeah. um, something like I Am Loving Awareness, right. is it's different doorways for different people's tastes to get into the Ramdas world. And sort of, they go through the doorway that resonates with them, and then they're going to go into the ecosystem of Ramdas, and they're down the rabbit hole. Right. And yeah. so I was just trying to create these different approaches, different doorways for people to walk in. Yeah, well, you did a great job with it. And so... You know, I know that prior to this, um, and I do apologize, I forgot the name of the album before this, um, was it with had to do with Mushrooms? Uh, music for Mushrooms, music for a mushrooms. soundtrack for the psychedelic practitioner. Yes. So yes. I love talking about that on the show because um, I'm actually in recovery from drugs and alcohol, yet mm. I get a lot of shit because I am an advocate for things like psychedelics and plant medicines because I believe they have very real healing uh, capacities. Uh, I personally haven't done psychedelics in probably like, over 10, 15 years, but I'll tell you, I, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of, like of times, um, when I was a teenager and into my young twenties. And even though I wasn't in a spirituality at the time, I'm incredibly grateful because that definitely helped expand my consciousness, continue opening my mind and, you know, watching David Lynch films on, on, uh, you know, mushrooms, that'll change a person. So anyways, I, um, I like to to address that on the, the show when I have the opportunity. So can you talk about that in relation to your own spiritual life and music and, you know, whatever you feel like talking about in regards to that? Yeah. 
Well, you and I would not be talking if it wasn't for mushrooms, because um, there's a song on the record called Home, where Ram Dass recounts his first experience with psilocybin, a.k.a. magic mushrooms. Right. And after he says psilocybin is my friend, which is just a funny line. Right. <laughs> he says that psilocybin started him on the spiritual path. Yes. That's a that's a big statement. Yeah. Uh, that means that he wouldn't have become Ramdas. So all of this wouldn't be happening right now right. if it wasn't for that mushroom journey. And I could say reliably that for me it was similar in that I had some experiences with mushrooms as well that really cracked me open and showed me that there was more to existence and consciousness and life and existence that absolutely lit a fuse. Now, many things were on my path, just like Ramdas. Many things led him to become who he is today, but there were certain catalytic events at the beginning that, that were powerful enough to really wake you up. And so for me, that was absolutely the case too. And so it's something I've always honored in my life in a similar way to you it's it's not it's not something that i personally do with much regularity or that's in some ways it's not like this active part of my life but for some reason i've become an advocate for it and that last record um, i designed specifically for that space because there isn't anything out there for that mm. and i've my music came from that space like i actually literally owe my all of my work to the mushrooms because I started 10 years ago leading underground psilocybin ceremonies. Sure. And so that's, and in doing that, I had to figure out, well, how do I lead people? And so I started playing music and I started using looping pedals and I started using field recordings and yeah. making it long form. And it, it was all very practical about how do I do this for four or five, six hours live. Right, right, right. And so that over time developed the lexicon musically that is all of my music today and it would not exist if I hadn't been doing that. And that's why it is kind of unusual and unique and patient. It's because I was only doing only doing it for that. Right. There was no commercial element to it. Um, there wasn't even like a touring element to it until later when like the yoga community picked it up and started giving me jobs and work and expanding my uh, reach to, to other people. So I had had this protocol, so to speak, musically and system of doing this that I knew is working yeah. and that had been developed almost like in a lab for 10 years. And I thought like, it's time to share this explicitly because right. I had been sharing it without really saying what it was. Like some of my albums in the past are from literally that space, live recordings. I just didn't say it yeah, and didn't matter really. But yeah. I thought, well, let's, let's say it so that people can know and use it more intentionally and I was also had my eyes on some of the research studies happening at John Hopkins right. and NYU yeah. and Imperial College because I wasn't satisfied with the music that they were using. And I'd met some of the researchers and I was like, I felt like I was sitting on something useful, a tool. And so I, was, I just finally decided to uh, drudge up the courage to just put it out there for what it is. And I put out a five hour record which I wasn't even sure you could do <laughs> on Spotify <laughs> and Apple, but I did it and it went out and uh, it's it's now just out there as a resource and a tool for people to experience. It's a five hour fully connected journey album that I'm sure as I hear from folks works for many things, including children's art classes to putting it on in the morning while you do your yoga or cook, but it has in it, a design and an inherent ability to guide you through that kind of experience, start to finish, almost, dare I say it, like a digital shaman. Very cool. I like that a lot, digital shaman. So, I mean, that's an incendiary you know, phrase, but sort of intentionally no, so. I really like it. So I know we're running short on time. We only have a few minutes left. Um, I want to ask you a couple of just random, not so serious, fun questions. Um, so... Can you tell us a fun fact about yourself that most people don't know? <laughs> fun fact. Yeah, fun facts. Um, none of them are that interesting. I mean, <laughs> uh, I'd say like uh, Krishna Das and Raghu, I'm probably a self-prescribed curmudgeon, and <laughs> I do my best to be more loving and patient. But, you know, that's something that probably doesn't come across <laughs> in my music very much. Um, but I'm always trying to open up and warm up but I can, I can go towards pessimism or 
sure. negativity. And that's kind of seems to be my main obstacle in life is to work with that. I hear you. I, uh, I battled with the nothing you do, but depression and, and darkness and oh yeah, it, it, yeah. it's always there in the background. Um, so I certainly, and I asked really... Ram Dass about that as uh, a second track called dark thoughts. When, yeah. you know, I was speaking about myself, I know it's a universal thing. Like, what do we do with this yeah. shit? Yeah. going on in the background and this the suicidal thoughts and the the, oh, yeah. the pessimism and the, the nihilism yeah i when i was in my early 20s I actually attempted suicide twice and to this day few and far between but i still get you know si suicidal ideation so um and that's after like 20 years of work and therapy and mm-hmm. mantra and you know meditation and it's just there, but people like Ram Dass help you to see these are just thoughts and they're passing. And sometimes they do catch you. Sometimes you just let them float like clouds. Uh, but you know, your hundred percent's different every day. So I really relate um, and do do uh, empathize with what you're saying. So how about what gives you the most hope in life? And if you don't like the word hope, you can use joy or I don't know, whatever, whatever you feel like. You know, I would have to say off the top of my head, it's people like Ram Dass or, um, or anyone who is able to witness back to me in the moment a sense of optimism and love and hope because it's something that's a character in all of us. Um, but inside, often in our monologue, at least for myself, there's also that other voice yeah. like we just spoke to of doubt and of pessimism. And sometimes that because it's inside and not voiced in a way, it can almost have more power because it, it can cut the legs off of those feelings of hope and optimism in your mind because it, just because it exists, there's always the but. Right. But, the, yeah. you know, or maybe, yeah. Yeah. And so when I can be in the presence of someone who's just giving me uh, that feel that we both really want to believe and feel and that a part of us wants and knows is true, that witnessing of it back to me gives me, it's a fuel, you know, and that's something that, and it's attractive. And I think that's exactly what Ram Dass more and more as he gets older is giving to the world. And you could call it unconditional love because there's no condition to it. It's just this energy right. of love in the moment. And you, we just flock to it like flies Yeah, because it's you too. And it's him too. And you need, you need that, uh, kind of, tending the fire like that to keep it going. And that's, I think how we do it is to one another in giving it. And that is the golden rule, right? You know, it's encoded in the oldest teachings about, they try to just simplify it. It's like, just give what you want to receive in a way because it just happens. Yeah. (laughs) It's a magic to it. I've often joked about this tablet uh, or a meme I saw of Moses holding the two tablets and it just broke it down even simpler on one. It said, be cool. And on the other it said, don't be an asshole. You know, yeah. like two golden <laughs> rules right there. So um, yeah. I appreciate yeah. that answer, man. Um, so on the flip side of that, what do you fear most in life? Oh, pain, mm. death, uh, suffering. <laughs> this the, is what my mind fears the most. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it comes up a lot. You know, yeah. A lot. Yeah. After I crossed the 40 Rubicon. Yeah. Uh, for, it was like a cliche. All of a sudden I started thinking about death a lot more Yeah. and my health and my abilities. I'm like, Oh, you know, how many years will I have left to like just tour like this and be able yeah. to like physically play? Right. Yeah. You know, th- there's a time limit. I mean, you could yeah. just say one of it's death, but I mean, it, hopefully it's 40 years, but fuck, it could be a day, you know? And, yeah. and, uh, so I, I guess, I guess maybe I fear loss on, on certain levels, but and I've gone through some suffering in my life that still has a resonance of trauma in me that, um, to be totally honest, I, I can't say it's gone. It's yep. reverberating inside me and I have to just witness that, uh, and love that. And it has had charge to it as well. Yeah. Thank you for sharing vulnerably again, resonate with all of it. You know, I just turned 41 in June and, uh, you know, already like physical issues for, for young, you know, 41 that are happening and, I'm in two mm-hmm. bands and I tour, but my touring is more for speaking engagements and, and mm-hmm. I write and same thing. I worry like arthritis. I don't have it yet, yeah. but like between <laughs> typing and playing guitar, like, so I hear you. Um, so I, last, I think it would yeah. be, well, I just want to say, yeah, I think it'd be the worst irony is if like 
I, you know, I, I lose the ability to, to do my dexterity of piano, not from too much music, but from like an iPhone I or know, something right? like, you know what I mean? It's just like, they, Oh great. That that's what got me in the end was like, my thumb we went out, in. you know, my God. Yeah. So, all right. So as we end, um, I just wanted to, you know, last word, first of all, I wanted to uh, share with people, where can they find you online? Um, your music, uh, website, Sure. I mean, anywhere you listen to music, you can find East Forest and okay. that'll link you to the ROM. You can through Ram Dass's profile too now. Sure. But that's where you can find my music. And I'm on all social media at either East Forest or East Forest Music. Okay. Instagram is probably the most active. Cool. And then my website, which links to all these things, yeah. if you want to, like I have my own podcast or I do retreats yeah. and I have videos and all the music and the merch and like there's a double vinyl and CD for the record. That's the only place you can get it. Awesome. Is that that's at eastforest.org. So not.com, eastforest.org. Cool. So if you're checking this out on the Be Here Now Network site right now, just scroll down and we'll have that linked. Easy. We'll have it set up for you. Just click a button. It'll bring you right over. And like I do with all my guests, um, anything you want to leave listeners with? Last word, any thoughts at all? Just tell the truth. Do your best. Yeah. Don't be an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> be You're cool. My, yeah. Be cool, man. <laughs> You're my kind of people. I really appreciate your time, man. Thank you for putting out such an important album. Thank you for doing what you're doing. And uh, and thanks for your raw vulnerability in this conversation. It's really appreciated. Yeah, I had a good time. Thanks. Thanks, man. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash BeHereNow today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash BeHereNow.